based on the twist, based on the fall, and the amount of weight that was on my leg that, that caused a little bit of torque of the knee. I thought it could be meniscus, I thought it could be ligament damage, I wasn't sure what it was. Michigan State, Duke, those types of teams have a great shot at getting to the Final Four. But I like the veteran leadership of, of Tom Izzo's team and, and Cassius Winston, but I think that Duke has too much talent and depth to lose to them. The biggest thing I would say is to really just enjoy the moment. Enjoy being in the NCAA tournament. Enjoy the meetings, these last few practices, the preparation, and just really go out there, have fun, and be who you are. You know, it's understanding that you have a chance to do something really special, but it's still a basketball game you have to have fun with. Welcome to the David Robinson episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 50. I'm currently in Portland, Oregon, enjoying a beautiful day. It appears to be about 75 and sunny. Uh, it is officially short season or short day right now. You can wear shorts, t-shirt, throw on a little hoodie uh, if you're afraid of the breeze, but it is really, really beautiful. It looks like San Diego right now outside. This is the nicest time of the year in Oregon, about March to I don't know, I would say August, September. Uh, you can't beat the weather here. Uh, just finished up some rehab and continuing to work things out with the knee. Uh, did some pull work, did a little bit of uh, Ultra-G yesterday at about 70% body weight. Continuing to work on some of the muscles around the uh, popliteus, uh, strengthening the legs up with some RDLs, a little bit of lunges, squats, leg press, some uh, uh, BR flow, blood restriction flow. Uh, biking to just kind of strengthen the quads and a lot of other stuff uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. I always like to say that being hurt is is harder than playing uh, an actual game because of the amount of rehab and, and time they make you put in to try to recover as quick as possible and work some of those joints um, and muscles around the actual injury. But without further ado, I want to welcome Jordan to the pull-up pod as always. Jordan, where are you at in the world right now? Are you East Coasting? Yeah, I'm East Coast. I'm in New York, but I'm going to be in Hartford tomorrow. On Thursday, covering John Morant and Marcus Howard, Murray State versus Marquette. I'm really excited about it. I think it's the two best guards uh, in the tournament, so it should be really fun. And um, you know, it's it's that time of the year. I but but bef but before we jump into um, tournament talk, I just you know you, you obviously avoided a really serious injury. I was very scared for you, CJ. Uh, it looked awkward. What was your thought? And what was some of your anxiety and, and thought process as you waited for the MRI? Uh, I wasn't sure what it was, honestly. Uh, I was a little afraid of you know, what it could be, you know, based on the twist, based on the fall, uh, the amount of weight that was on my leg that, that caused a little bit of uh, torque of the knee. I thought it could be meniscus. I thought it could be ACL, MCL, PCL, uh, ligament damage. I wasn't sure what it was, but then once we did the x-rays and the next day I woke up and it wasn't, you know, really swollen around the knee area. I knew it wasn't ACL or MCL. Uh, and I kind of just changed my focus and my mindset, understanding that regardless of what it was, I was going to have to go through a, a tough rehab phase, uh, probably miss some games and you know, do whatever it takes to get myself uh, ready to play again and help this team win. But uh, I'm thankful it wasn't anything uh, worse than what it was. And uh, mentally, just looking forward to the challenge of, you know, overcoming a, a small obstacle uh, as we head into this playoffs. Did you have a rough night when you were, you know, because you got the MRI in the morning? Was that a was that a really hard night of just tossing and turning and wondering, or were you able to put it aside? It was a tough night in terms of just the uncertainty of, of not knowing what's wrong with my knee. And just not to mention, it was just a 
uncomfortable night's sleep, uh, having to sleep with your leg up and, you know, just trying not to move too much because certain movements would cause tension and pain to the back of the knee and the side of the knee. So it was just an unusual situation. But um, having gone through injuries before, having gone through the rehab phase, I wasn't wasn't really worried about, you know, overcoming the injury. I was just more so worried about the timeline, like how long was it going to take me? How much was I going to have to miss uh, before I could potentially come back and help the team? CJ, what was the process for you when you sat down with the staff and figured out, here's how we're going to attack the injury, here's how we're going to get you on the floor? How did they lay out the plan, and um, what was that process like when you really started to think about, here's how we're going to get better? Yeah, it's just a, a tough situation because there's not a lot of research on the popliteus, uh, especially the actual injury. Uh, historically, there have been a lot of people that have had have actually gone through this injury. Um, I think besides Kevin Garnett, there's not a lot of NBA players that have gone through it. It's more of a running type injury to where it's direct injury to the muscle, um, where you have to essentially wait for it to heal. You have to wait for the muscle to heal. It, the actual popliteus controls a lot of different movements and twists uh, in regards to the knee and patella tendon. So you have to be careful with, you know, running, jogging, jumping, uh, turning certain ways in the bed, all those types of things. And you actually have to strengthen the quad. You have to strengthen the IT bands and everything around it because the compensation factor comes into play. So basically just broke down what the injury was, uh, how we can continue to improve it, you know, what the day-to-day therapy and rehab would be like uh, from a dieting aspect and standpoint, you know, increasing my protein intake, increasing my omega-3s, uh, fish oil, um, adding adding some different types of, you know, tart cherry juices and things of that nature to kind of speed up the healing process. And I think that our staff has, you know, historically done a great job of of helping us recover, you know, educating us on the actual injury, uh, working around the injury to to better, you know, prepare us for the return, whether that be conditioning, you know, mentally, um, physically, you know, putting ourselves in a position to succeed. So, you know, for me, I've, I've been, you know, a lot more nuts and seeds and avocados, you know, trying to get 30 grams of, of protein every three to four hours, uh, essentially 175 to 220 grams per day, um, as I said before, cherry juice, cinnamon, ginger, fruits, veggies, and serious amounts of hydration, and then trying not to eat after seven so that my, my body can really focus on uh, the recovery aspect of recovering and healing as opposed to digesting food. So the protein is the key then, or one of the keys. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that, that it could actually help the healing process. Yeah, certain foods that you you know intake uh, definitely can either help or hurt the the process of recovery. You know, fried foods, things of that nature. Um, certain foods that your body doesn't respond well to. So if you've done the uh, food sensitivity testing, you're supposed to avoid the foods that cause inflammation. For me, dairy is a food that causes inflammation um, and kind of could delay the process a little bit for me. So luckily I've been off of dairy most of this season and I will continue to avoid it, especially now that I'm home and Chef will be cooking for me daily. Wow, interesting. Well. We're obviously behind you, and I know that you're going to grind it out and, and get back. So um, March Madness. So have you filled out a bracket, and what is your strategy? I haven't filled out a bracket. I actually need to do one today. Uh, I've talked to you know a lot of college experts to get an idea of college basketball scene. You know, how certain players play, how certain teams perform under pressure. I'm obviously a big fan of Tony Bennett, the way he coaches his team. Tom Izzo, who we recently had on the pod, I think he does a great job of performing well 
uh, in, in pressure situations and has a veteran team. So I think there's a lot of upset candidates. I'm a Buffalo fan. I think Buffalo has a chance to make some noise. Uh, Javon Grace being from uh, Canton, Ohio, and, and having gone to St. Vincent, St. Mary, I think they have a chance to make some serious noise. And then Ja Morant, who's a guard and game changer who can take over a game at any point in time, has a chance to really make some serious noise uh, in this NCAA tournament. So I'll probably pick uh, players over teams. You know, yeah. Players I think can really change a game uh, as opposed to going with, you know, the Dukes of the world who obviously have the talent, the history, and uh, the, ro- the roster to make a, a crazy run. So, like, do guys in the locker room fill out brackets, especially the guys that have that their colleges are in the tournament? As, how do you guys go about that? There's got to be some kind of pool. Yeah, we should do a pool, actually. Maybe I'll bring it up uh, later today when I get to the arena. Guys have actually been in the group, ta- in the group chat just arguing with each other. Myers posted a uh, March Madness bracket that showed a breakdown of each conference, and the Big Ten has eight teams in the NCAA tournament. ACC has seven, SEC seven, Big 12 six, uh, and so on and so forth. And now guys are talking about, you know, what what league is better. And Seth says the ACC has three number one seeds. And guys talking about how the ACC is basically the Big East. And, you know, it's just <laughs> an argument over everything. But, you know, in reality, uh, I always tell them that the mid-major players are always the best NBA players. And then we argue about that as well. <laughs> well, look at your backcourt. I mean, it's it's all it's all you need to know. Um, this is a really cool tournament for mid majors because there's a lot of great mid major players. Whether whether it's uh, as you mentioned, Morant, Dylan Windler, or Belmont. Um, there's just a lot of good ones. So, I guess my question would be to you: If you had to pick a Final Four without really looking at it, at least what would it, what would you have? Because you know, I did a story on Buffalo. Earlier this year, I love Buffalo. I think they are excellent, man. They broke the MAC record for wins. You mentioned uh, Graves. They also have CJ Massenburg, who's the player of the year in that league. So I, I'm happy you said that. But if you had to go Final Four, it sounds like you'd have Virginia and Michigan State. Maybe is that is that fair? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm trying to find a bracket now to actually look at. I would definitely. I don't know if this is going to conflict with conferences, but I think that Virginia. Michigan State, Duke, those types of teams have a great shot at, at getting to the Final Four. I don't know what side of the bracket they're on and all that stuff, but so Michigan State's in the same region as Duke. So if they faced off, that'll be would that be Elite Eight or Final Four? That'd be the eight. Yes, yes, Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. If they faced off, I like Duke, uh, but wow. I like the, the the veteran leadership of of Tom Izzo's team and, and, and Cassius Winston, but. If their guard still isn't healthy, the, the two guard they've been missing most of the season, I think that Duke has too much talent and depth uh, to lose to them. Who do you like? You like Michigan State getting to the Final Four? So my, my preseason pick was Gonzaga to win it all. And um, I have Gonzaga over Duke, actually, in the national title. I would love to see Michigan State get there, though, uh, because of Izzo. And, uh, but I'm going to stick with the Zags. I think they are... This is the best team they've had, Mark Few's team. You know, I don't know why you're not hitting me up for your college basketball experts. I don't know if you've watched Daily Wager recently, but uh, on ESPN News. But I'm five and zero oh my best bets, and I was going to ask you. I think I'm on like fourteen and four my last eighteen or something like that. I'm going to text you when it's time for me to fill out my bracket because I haven't filled it out yet. So I've been really just. Essentially, when I say college basketball experts, I mean my friends that watch college basketball because I don't watch it at all. So basically just hitting my friends up like, yo, have you been watching college basketball lately? And it's usually T 
team, like people I've played with in the summertime that are still in college and they can give me like feedback on like other teams that they've played against. Like, do you think this team is nice type of thing? I got you, bro. I want you to be, I will give you you all the winners. I got to verify it, but I think I'm like 14 and four or 15 and four the last 18 or 19, something like that. So I'm going to give you my final four. I will text you my bracket. If you follow it directly, you will win. I promise. And, and you know what? If you don't win, whatever pool you're in, then we can uh, eliminate one of those three shipments of wine. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. So I still owe you lots of wine anyway, and we'll, we'll definitely get that done. So are you guys at ESPN? Are you doing a bracket? Yeah, I'm going to be in a bracket. I'm, I'm in an ESPN pool, I think, and uh, try to get in a few with, with some old buddies. If you, uh, I'm going to send you my bracket, though. I, I, I promise you that. And uh, the question I had for you, too, about mid-majors, going back to that, was like, if you're a John Morant, because he's kind of in a similar position as you where people have started to know who he is, but he's at a smaller school that hasn't had a ton of tournament success. Like, is he feeling pressure or did you feel pressure in that game against Duke? Because they're playing Marquette and everybody's going to expect a lot from him. Um, I knew there was pressure, but I didn't feel it. I felt like it was a challenge, uh, a great opportunity for me to really show who I am, a real, a real opportunity for me to play on the biggest stage in front of, I don't know, four or five million people against a historically great program. Um, I knew that if I didn't play well, it, I would be judged you know, solely on that performance. They would say that I wasn't ready for the big stage. They would say that I can't handle certain types of competition and that I'm not ready for the professional level but I also knew that if I played well and just was myself that would be enough so I just tried to be aggressive I knew that I would have a good game because I historically play well in big games and uh, I just felt like they couldn't guard me I felt like it was the perfect opportunity for me to show who I was put my best foot forward and if I could keep the game close I felt like we could win it in the end because of our offense you know the pick and roll play in the NCAA tournament and just the amount of upperclassmen we had that had been to the tournament before. So I think that made a difference in my mindset. And uh, when when you play the game uh, for fun and you work really hard at it, you don't worry about failure. You just look at it as an opportunity for you to just go hoop and be yourself. And I think that's how Ja will look at it. He'll go be himself. He'll be aggressive. He'll make plays for others. And regardless of whether or not he wins or loses, people will know who he is because of the body of work. And you'll see flashes of why he's going to be a top three pick. Do you ever talk to um, Seth about that, Seth Curry? Like, how much does that come up, that game? Uh, we haven't brought it up besides uh, the anniversary, which was a few days ago, the seven-year anniversary of it. Uh, I, I said, should I tell him happy anniversary to some of my teammates? And we started talking about the actual game, and Dane was talking about the highlights. He was like, yo, in the highlights, how come Seth? And he's like, Seth, how come you and Austin wasn't guarding him in the highlights? And I told him that uh, I said that they, they were running from this work, <laughs> uh, just jokingly, just talking about how, you know, most of the highlights I was getting switched. They were switching a lot of screens, so I would get switched with a big on me. Or uh, the guard, number three, it was his name, Thornton. Thornton was guarding me for a lot of the games. Tyler Thornton, yep. Tyler uh, Thornton. Thornton, the uh, senior, senior guard. He was guarding me for a lot of the game because he was the uh, veteran player or whatever, upperclassman. But they all, they all got their fair share of bullets, and I don't really – rub it in or, or, or brag or anything like that because it's what's done is done. But um, I think the, the fact that they have to watch the highlights on social media uh, once a year just, you know, does enough damage and kind of stings enough to where I don't, I don't have to bring it up. How did that game change your your life on a day-to-day basis? Because obviously everybody in Le- at Lehigh knew who you were, but did it change 
your perspective or the way people were looking at you after that? I think it definitely solidified my legacy at Lehigh in terms of, you know, having a, a great body of work winning championships, but then having that signature NCAA tournament win. And then it kind of reintroduced me, you know, to the to the rest of the world who generally didn't know basketball or watch basketball. The casual fan became familiar with Lehigh, became familiar with my game and you know, what I was able to, to do at the highest level. And I think that NBA scouts had already been coming to games, so they were kind of aware of me, but that just was the more of a uh, a performance that could solidify, you know, a GM or a scout, you know, bringing a player to their to ownership, saying like, "Hey, you know, this is his body of work. This is his signature win. This is what he did, you know, in a big game on the big stage, and, and kind of shows, you know, the big game pedigree and being able to to play at the highest level against a team with seven NBA players." So, when you filled out your bracket that year, did you pick Lehigh to win it all? I had us losing to Baylor in the Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> And we and we lost. Baylor to, was nice that year, didn't they? Go to the eight. Yeah, they went to the eight. We lost to Xavier. Uh, we were up seventeen and blew a seventeen point lead. I picked up my third foul. Coach took me out, and uh, we blew the lead and ended up losing to Xavier. But we should have went to the Sweet Sixteen that year. Wow. So you actually had Baylor. You figured you might get your thirty, but that that zone would bother you guys, and and you would lose. Yeah, yeah, I figured I was good enough to win two games for us, but their depth and their ability to just manipulate a game. They had shooters, they had size, they had a little bit of everything. I thought, I felt like it was going to be too much for us, but I knew it would be a close game. If we would have played Baylor, it would have been a close game. We might have been able to been able to beat them too. Wow. Well, last question, C. Who is the best player that you played against in college? Royce White. Wow. Iowa State, he was nasty. Wow. Triple-double threat. Could shoot point forward before the point forward even existed. He was nasty, man. He wants to come on the pod. And you know what? He's for those who don't know, um, Royce is well, he was playing in Canada and he's he's had some issues, you know, a lot of issues with anxiety and, and specifically flying. But he's now turning his uh sights on boxing and MMA actually. Um and he's been training to become an MMA fighter. I've been talking to him. Just over DMs on Twitter. Really interesting guy. We'll have to get him on at some point. But uh, he was a hell of a player. And I think he was still drafted really high, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a first-round pick. Yeah. And I played against a Kansas team that had Sharon Collins, Tyshawn Taylor, Morrison Twins, Xavier Henry, Cole Aldridge, Thomas Robinson. So there's a lot of – I mean, I played against some some good players. But he was he was unbelievable. I just confirmed. Yeah, he was a 16th pick. I, th- I thought he was somewhere around there. It really says a lot about how good he was. Um, last question then is, who is the player that improved the most or that surprised you the most where you, where you played him once in college and then um, ended up being getting to the league and really improved and became like a much better player? Someone in that, that you didn't think would be a pro or didn't think would be a really good pro. Man, I, I didn't play against that many pros, <laughs> but the ones I did play against, like Draymond Green and the Morris Twins and those types of players, they were all good. They were good in college, so I, I kind of knew they would be good in the league. I didn't get the chance to play in um, the March Madness NCAA tournament that uh, everyone knows, and uh, I did play against some pros growing up, and we had Brandon Roy in our AAU program. He was He's the best player that I've seen pretty much. Uh, at least going into, you know, from a from a prep level, like he was the best player I'd ever seen. Who, B-Roy? Yeah, man, he was unbelievable. I mean, we used to, and we played, you know, probably 
three, four nights a week, and uh, I, I've seen him do things that I've never seen anybody else do, CJ. Yeah, I've seen the highlights, man. He was unbelievable. All right, bro. Well, I'm going to be sending you my bracket, and uh, I recommend following it. Send me the bracket, man. I'll, I'll take some advice from it before I uh, begin to critique and make my own choices. More show on in a minute, but first, support for Pull Up with CJ McCollum comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your own story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their websites. Create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash pull up to get 10% off. Okay, back to the show. All right, we got Taco on the line. We want to welcome UCF big man Taco Fall, the seven foot six versatile center. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, looking forward to having you on as a guest. Obviously, we're in March Madness. Uh, there's going to be a lot of big games, and not only this week, but throughout the rest of March and uh, early April. Uh, you guys are in the NCAA tournament for the first time in about, uh, what, since 2005, so 14 years. Um, what's your excitement level as you head into the NCAA tournament, knowing that uh, after this year, you could potentially be in the NBA, and this is your chance to kind of make a statement, not only for your organization, but for your draft stock? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. That's something that I've been wanting to do since um, since I came to UCF. Um, like you say, we haven't made the tournament in many years, and that's something that um, coming to UCF, I had an idea. Like, this is something that I want to do here and leave my legacy. And uh, I put in a lot of work with my um, teammates, and uh, we fought through a lot. And finally, be, being able to put it off in my senior year has meant a lot to me. So. Um, now I'm just looking forward to go, going out there and competing with the you know the best college team in basketball and just uh, go out because we we happy to be here but we just don't want to be here we want to come here and make a statement and uh, just just show just show that just show like how how hard we have worked to get here and um, just make make a run go as far as, as we can. Taco, you've worked really hard to get here as well. Um, can you just take us through your story a little bit? your first impression of America when you came to the United States and was the transition difficult for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was difficult whenever you, I left my country when I was 16 years old. Um, and, um, I, I used, I was with my mom and my little brother. I left them home. I came here. I pretty much didn't know anyone. Um, and it was very hard, especially after the fact that I didn't play basketball back home. Um, that's one of the reasons why I came here to start training and, uh, why like having the opportunity to go to school and, Continuing like continuing my education, but it, it was very hard, especially those first couple of months, just trying to get used to it and um, getting 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 in good shape, getting stronger, um, and all of that. But um, I just you know trust the process. I, I kept working and studying the game, and the more I was playing it, the more I was loving the game. And after that, it just clicked. You've developed some relationships with NBA players, uh, Mo Bamba, obviously, Hakeem Olajuwon, Hall of Famer. How has he influenced your game, and what type of advice has he given you throughout this process, not only as a collegiate athlete, but coming over to the States and, you know, just trying to make it, making that transition to America? Yeah, I mean, uh, like Hakeem, for example, he's, he's, he's a legend. 
um, just just having him. When I was in Houston, I worked out worked out with him once, and just being around him, picking up his mind, and uh, he like like I said, he's he's a basketball legend. So some, he's somebody that, and he's he's from Africa, so he's definitely some somebody that I've been looking up to. And uh, Mohammed Mohammed is Obama. He's, he's a great friend of mine. Just you know, you always want to have people like that around you so that they can push you to be better. And uh, like I, I can. When I when I worked out with him um, at Houston, he he showed me a lot of things that have really helped my game. And ever since I've met many more people that have helped me tremendously, and um, I'm I'm very thankful for that. You you once said Taco that if if you could be LeBron James or Steve Jobs, that you'd rather be Steve Jobs. You said because your athleticism will fade one day, but your knowledge will last forever. What what do you what did you mean by that in terms of off the court goals? And what are some of your goals with being an entrepreneur or an innovator once basketball is finished? Yeah, I mean, LeBron is one of a kind. Not everybody can be LeBron James. And yeah, like, like I say, Steve Jobs has, has, LeBron has done, both Both of them have, have accomplished more than basketball. And that's what it's about for me is being a basketball. I want to use basketball as a tool for me to um, to do greater things, especially for my country. I want to give like kids back from from my country, like the same opportunities that I was given, and um, to do that basketball is a great way to do it. And especially the fact that I, I, I love, I love this game. I want to be around it for a while, playing it. And um, after I'm done, I still want to be able to use it to, you know, to do greater things. Because it's, it's at the end of the day, it's bigger than basketball. You talked about doing other things. Uh, before you came to the States, you were a soccer player. You played a little bit of soccer growing up. Obviously, it's it's in your blood. What do you think is your best sport? Is there a chance that you're actually a better soccer player than you are a basketball player? Oh, no, no, no. I, I was not a great good soccer player. I'm definitely a way better basketball player now. <laughs> soccer player. And, I, and I got too, too tall for soccer. And uh, I mean, back home, everybody plays soccer. So it's, it's like, like here, Kids go up playing baseball, playing basketball, things like that. We, we just go up playing soccer um, whenever we can. So that's 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 it. But playing soccer really can't help you with your footwork and everything. But I just I was getting I, I got too tall for that. And yeah, I'm def, definitely way better a way better <laughs> basketball player. Taco, who were some of your uh, sports heroes growing up? Whether it be on the pitch or on the hardwood, who who did you look up to? Um, but when I was, let's say, I mean, it was first Ronaldinho, um, Ronaldinho, the soccer player, uh, when he was with, at that time he was with Barcelona and I, I, I used to idolize him. And then after that it was Messi. Um, I've, and he's still Messi. I feel like Messi is definitely one of the greatest soccer player of all time. That's awesome. Man. He's just so amazing. And that's, uh, as far as like sports heroes, like that's some someone that I really have liked for for a very long time. And um, bas- basketball wise, ever since I started the game, I've been studying a lot of greats. Um, I studied a lot of um, Kareem, um, Shaq, Bill Russell, Hakeem, just players like that. Just trying to pick up how you know the way they play, and some of some of them are very similar to me. So I, I just I just been trying to like pick up the game and everything else and um especially Kareem Kareem has been uh, mentoring me for I mean now almost a year um he's someone he's a great resource that I have had and he has helped me a lot too 
Looking at your senior night, you know, being able to get a win on senior night, you know, playing in front of the home fans one last time, uh, your mom was in the crowd. Uh, how special was that moment for your mom to be at the game on senior night and be able to see you play for the first time? That moment was indescribable for me. That's something that I've thought about for almost seven years. Um, she hasn't seen me for, for the, all, all those seven years. I've never, I've never really seen her except on FaceTime when we talk on the phone, and she never saw me play. So just having her and just being able to show her, like, how hard I've worked and, you know, all the progress that I've made just meant so much to me. And I'm very thankful for, you know, all the people that have made it happen and, and made it a really special moment for her, for my little brother, and for me. So, Taco, when you when you moved to the U.S. from Senegal, you were 16. Um, yeah. When you got to see your mom, what were some of your emotions? I'm just trying to think beyond basketball and just – what that meant to you to actually see her in person, and what it must have meant for her. And that that moment was that moment was really very very emotional. I, mean, I remember it was at the airport when she saw me. She just she just stopped walking and started crying. And I went over to her and I hurt, gave her a hurt. But I'm I'm sure she was surprised by just how much I matured. And when I left home, I was about probably seven two. I was skinny as a stick, and then. When, the, when she came back here and saw me, I was just a totally different person. I was basically a man, and she just saw me and broke down and started crying. I, I went over there. I hurt there for a while, and then um, it was it was really emotional. With your brother, too, was that the first time you had seen him? Because obviously when you walk out on the court um, at UCF before the game, you're, you're with both of them. Had you not yeah. seen your brother as well? I have. I have. My brother lives in Cincinnati. He came over... Um, but I would say three years ago, and he was with my dad in Cincinnati. So I've been I've been able to see him every now and then. Uh, even him, it was uh, I haven't seen him in like the last two years because he came here three years ago. Then I saw him, and after that he went to Cincinnati, and then he's been there for like two years. And um, this year, um, last year they played Cincinnati, but I, I wasn't able to go because um, I had a labor surgery. But this year when we went, I saw him, and then finally he came over too. So yeah, were you able to get your jersey back uh, after after senior night when it when it was misplaced uh, after the game? Oh no, that that jersey is gone. I think <laughs> <laughs> um, I, they gave me a new one, but I probably I probably went to that jersey again. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to talk to the students. But turning the page, looking at the NBA now and how it's set up, it's obvious that. Uh, there's a lot of perimeter play. Um, bigs are being able to shoot threes, stretch the floor a little bit. But there's another player in the NBA who kind of uh, resembles your size, your athleticism, Boban, uh, playing in the Clippers. And then he was recently traded to the Sixers. Do you see any comparisons between your game with Boban, uh, with his touch, his ability to shoot free throws, his ability to kind of stretch it out, but also play in the post? I mean, yeah. I mean, the game is always going to need people like us. Um, I mean, we, we did, we, we're just special people with everything that we can do. We can, um, we can have great, like, we can affect both the game offensively and defensively, uh, especially on the defensive end with our land, our size. We can disrupt a lot of, a lot of things for opposing teams. And I feel like with everything that, that I bring on the table, like, and especially Boban, like the things you say he can do, we can make an, especially a big impact on the floor and we belong. So, um, and I've been trying to show that would be long, and I'm just going to keep working at it until um, I get the opportunity. Taco, is that the goal for you then, to have a long NBA career? And then, oh, I, absolutely, I, absolutely. I mean, because I, I feel like I, I belong, and 
with, like I said, with my length and my size and my laces, I feel like I can keep up with the game. No, no matter how much they say he has changed, how the speed and everything, I feel like I can keep up and I'm just going to keep working, working, working until I get the opportunity. Hey, I've seen you play a little bit uh, this season and previous seasons. I think you can definitely play in the NBA and impact the game. Your versatility, your size, your ability to impact the basket, I think it's definitely going to show during March Madness sure. uh, in, your, in your potential matchup uh, this week. And you guys have a potential matchup against Duke if you're able to get, get past uh, the team in round one. Have you guys, you know had to really focus in on this first game, understanding that you could you could be the team to upset Duke in the second round of the tournament and, and get to the Sweet 16? Yeah, I mean, we always use our person one game at a time. So right now it's VCU, and we come, we, like, we're 100% concentrated on VCU. And um, after that, we will get whoever we play after. But like we say, you, you can't never focus too much on your opponent. You got to focus on yourself and, you know, stay disciplined and stay stick to your principles and, um, that's what we have done all year. Just go one and no, and then just move on. And whoever comes next, go one and no after that. You you talked earlier, Taco, about using your platform. Um, I know you're a double major in both in both um, business and psychology. So, what do you think you could do, and how do you think those degrees would impact you moving forward? As far as business wise, like for the things that I want to do in my country, especially in my country. Um, with, uh, let's say I get the opportunity with the NBA. I want to be able to work with the NBA and do a lot of things with NBA Africa. And, um, I've already talked about it with, um, someone that, that's very known, um, around the NBA. His name is Dr. Lapchak. He worked at the school, um, ever since I came to UCF. Him and I have been talking about it and how I can go back home and help, especially with like kids and give them the opportunities that I was, I was given pretty much. And, um, uh, the things, one of the things that I want to do later on, um, I mean, if I if I have the chance, is being able to open up schools where um, kids will be able to like go and play basketball and uh, go to school at the same time. We have a few like that, like in the, at the Seed Academy, um, but it's not too many. So um, if I if I can, I want to be able to do that. How excited are you about the? Uh announcement the NBA made this year uh, with the Pro League coming to Africa in 2020. I think they're going to have a 12-team league that will begin play in January. Uh, President Obama is one of the people who was involved with the direct uh, placement of the league operations and allowing there to be clubs in Angola, Egypt, Kenya, Morocco, Nigeria, Rwanda, Senegal, along with South Africa and Tunisia. What's your excitement level with this opportunity? What type of talent do you think will will come from this? I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. It's just showing that the game is growing in in Africa. We have we have a lot of great players in the NBA, and I'm pretty sure we have great talent in back in Africa that people have not discovered. So it's it's all it's going to be a great thing for Africa, especially for those countries that you just named. Just getting those people out there and giving them more exposure, which is going to help the game in my country. Help it you know, grow it more than, than it has. And we have tre- tremendous talent in Africa. All they need is the infrastructures and um, all the resources. And the NBA being able to provide that is going to be huge um, for us down the road. When you came to the U.S., did you have issues with being homesick and being away from home and in a new country, a new world, a new language? Like, how did all those things impact you? Um, I mean, I, I, I did, I did, um, especially, I think I would, I would say my first year here, um, I got really homesick, um, with, I mean, with, I pretty much, my mom raised me. So 
not being around her and my brother was really, really difficult. And I know that back home times, I mean, times were tough and, you know, I, I, I wanted to be there and being able to help out and I was, I wasn't able to do it. And it was, it was really tough. But like, like I said, I just, I just knew that it was something that I had to do for, you know, for my family, um, just being, having the opportunity to give them a better life and that just kept me going. Taco, can you just take me through to the decision process to come to the U.S. and how hard it was to leave your mother and why you felt like you needed to come? Um, I mean, it, it was um, it was when I was sixteen. Um, this guy, this guy, I never, I never met, I had never met him before. His name was Ibrahim. Um, his brother used to play in the NBA. His name was my, his name is Mamadou. He came over to my house and um, talked to my like I was really tall, so a lot of people have to come up to my mom and ask him about like if I wanted to play basketball, but she never really went through with it until that day that when when um, that guy came over to my house and told her that I, he could really help me, um, you know, come to the states and being able to go to school, pursue my education, and that they would like put me in the right position, like give me the opportunity to be able to train and start playing basketball. And everybody knew that in my country, the United States, it's like, you know, you if you want to really play basketball and be very good at it, that's where you need to be. And um, he explained it to my mom and told her that I would be able to really have a great education and have the opportunity to go to college and still while playing basketball. And after that, she, she agreed with him. And six months later, um, that's that's how I came over here. Can you imagine CJ doing that at 16? That that would be extremely tough um, to essentially leave home. You know, have to learn a new language, have to you know learn a new culture, embrace a new culture. And I, I understand that you uh, were Muslim and you were going to a Christian school early on, um, so that had to be an adjustment for you as well. So it's, I mean, I commend you for being able to to overcome all those obstacles, to be home, you know, away from home, to be so tall so early on, I know it had to be difficult um, in terms of coordination, you know, being taller than all your friends. I was the opposite. And I was really small. I was basically the smallest person in all my classrooms. And I was only five foot two my freshman year in college. So that was an adjustment for me, but it was the opposite of just trying to figure out how to get my shot off, uh, how to create space in the NBA uh, as I got older. But I commend you, man, for for being able to accomplish that. And since you're in college right now, I know you have a little bit of free time in between practices and classwork. Uh, what's some of your favorite TV shows uh, that you watch? Are you a Netflix guy? Or are you more of a Game of Thrones type of guy? What What are you watching in your spare time? Uh, I watch all the shows. I watch Game of Thrones. Um, I watch Netflix sometimes. Um, I'm a big anime guy. Like I watch a lot of anime, Japanese anime. Oh, that's but, um, cool. I do when whenever I have time. I would I would watch some Netflix shows, but I watch a lot of anime. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. And you said you're a Game of Thrones guy, so you're looking forward to next month. Game of Thrones is going to be starting up next month. Have you re- rewatched all the episodes? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I've I've been waiting. I've been waiting on this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> who's Who's your favorite character, Taco? Oh, I, I like Daenerys. CJ, how about you? I like Tyrion Lannister. I like Daenerys Targaryen. Um, I think Sansa does a great job of playing her role. Jon Snow does a great job of playing his role. Arya is great. I really love yeah. Arya a lot just because of her tenacity, you know, her ability to kind of overcome the obstacles and kind of be like the the black sheep of the family. She's kind of gone for a while, and then she reinvents herself, literally recreates herself and begins to go on this killing spree. So 
Uh, I, I like so many characters, man, but my favorite is probably a combination of Sansa and Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah, yeah, I would go Arya, and then I would pose the question to both of you. Um, I also love Ghost, by the way. Go- Ghost is great. I mean, the, the any of the wolves, the dire wolves are amazing. Taco, who's the meanest player that you ever played against? Uh, I can't really think of anybody, obviously. Or maybe like the most physical. Most physical, especially in my conference. We have had some pretty, like, it's a it's a pretty tough conference when it comes to like being physical, especially teams like um, you got Cincinnati, uh, uh, you got Houston, and those teams always bring it. Um, whenever we play against those teams, that that game is really really physical. So um, I can't think of like one individual specifically, but as a group, I would say teams like that. CJ, what kind of advice would you give Taco as he goes into the tournament, being a you know a lower seed? Uh, I think he's got his his head on his shoulders uh, the right way. I think he's approaching everything the right way, taking it one game at a time. Uh, the biggest thing I would say is to really just enjoy the moment. Enjoy being in the NCAA tournament. Enjoy the meetings, these last few practices, uh, the preparation, and just really go out there, have fun, and be who you are. You know, take up space in the lane, finish around the basket, uh, change shots in the paint, you know, from a defensive standpoint, and really just lead your team. They'll follow your lead, you know, as a guy who's been there for a little while, who's a senior, um, instill confidence in your guys, understanding that you have a chance to do something really special, but it's still a basketball game you have to have fun with. Uh, thank, thank you. Appreciate it, last season. No problem at all, man. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Thanks for calling into the pull-up pod. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Taco. We'll have more show on in a minute, but first I want to tell you about Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon's mission is simple, to make sure all your basics and beyond are smartly designed and shopping for them is easy and convenient. And frankly, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial which means they eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. It's good for working out, going to work, going out on dates, just everyday life. I hopped on this site, and in a few minutes, I got myself some gear. You can never have too many pairs of socks, especially when you travel the way I do. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter the promo code PULLUP at checkout. Once again, we want to thank Taco Fall for calling into the pull-up pod. Man, very, very nice kid. Uh, seven foot six center uh, who's from Senegal. Came over to the States about, you know, four, uh, five, six years ago. Averaging 11.7 rebounds. Has a chance to, to make some noise in this upcoming NCAA tournament. Has a chance to get past VCU. Shout out to my guy Shaka at VCU. Has a chance to get past them and potentially face Duke in the NCAA tournament. And also has a potential future in the NBA as an up-and-coming big man who can really impact the game. So we want to thank him for calling into the pull-up pod as always. And as we always like to say, we appreciate our listeners uh, faithfully tuning in uh, every week. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, radio.com backslash pull up with CJ or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up.